Welcome to another episode of The Difference with our friends at Annex Wealth Management. I'm Dan O'Donnell, and I'm joined, as always, by the president and CEO of Annex, Dave Spano. And uh, Dave, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. We are in the middle of a little mini panic over what the markets did on Friday. For reference, we recorded this on Monday, May 2nd. And Friday, the last full day of April of, of trading uh, on the markets, it was awful. Yeah, it was Just, awful. Uh, there's yeah, well, no no other way to say it. No, uh, you know, this thing fell off the ugly tree and hit every branch uh, on the way down, down 3.6% on the day alone. That was on Friday. That was just for the day. That took the whole month of April down 8.8% for the month, and now we're down over 13% year to date. So that is a crappy start to the beginning of the year. There's no doubt about it. And in fact, one of the worst uh, beginnings of a year since April of 2020 from the beginning of the pandemic. So what? why is this happening? The stock market is trying to predict, as they usually do, six to nine months out. So it's starting to predict the fact that we are going to have a significant slowdown in our economy. About half economists have it as a slowdown, air quotes, uh, for radio uh, and podcasting. 35% chance of a recession. So either way, 85% chance of a slowdown from where we've been is what the equity markets are telling us. I mean, wouldn't we already be in a slowdown? I mean, we're halfway to a recession if we're defining a recession as two consecutive quarters of negative growth. First quarter numbers came out. I think that jolted markets a little bit. You had uh, earnings coming out. Of course, the FANG stocks, everybody is reporting about the Netflix losing subscribers for the first time and questions about whether uh, some of these high flyers are starting to come back to earth. But I mean, it really feels like in anybody who's on the ground uh, on Main Street as opposed to Wall Street, Dave, I mean, we're already feeling the effects of what I would consider to be a slowdown just based on the inflation and how people are changing their spending habits. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's ca Captain Obvious uh, to the economists who are telling us that. Yeah, of course, it's starting to slow down. I'd say, you know, that GDP report that we got, which was a negative 1.4% a on an annual rate, is going to get modified because when you look at how that is calculated, there are things that come into this country and things that get shipped out. And I think you're going to see some modifications of that as companies build up their supplies and take down their supplies. That moves the GDP report. I wouldn't be surprised if they modify that to a more zero-like number from a negative 1.4%. And by the way, you know, you talked about the first half of, of a recession. It's widely accepted definition of a recession are two back-to-back -back quarters of negative GDP. If they raise this up to a zero and we don't have a negative GDP report, which is not expected next quarter, that is one thing. Now, you know, obviously you certainly don't want to be at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with an election coming up, with a slowing economy, and with insidious inflation. And you talked to, we've talked about, does it affect you and I? It doesn't affect us as much. I mean, it affects us. It doesn't affect us as much as the single mom with two mm -hmm. kids who have got to go to the grocery store and get new tennies. She's got to make a decision of what she's going to buy. And by the way, that is the president's party's policy is to try to take care of those things. Well, they're in a tough spot, Dan. 
Well, and here's the the dangerous part for Democrats and and for Biden specifically is that his coalition of voters, the support base of the Democrat Party, is younger voters who are typically on the lower end of the income scale, uh, inner city voters, voters in uh, high density population centers, middle class, lower middle class voters, poorer voters. And these are the people for whom inflation is a major, major thing. I mean, we've, we've talked about this, Dave, and as a very influential and highly paid radio host, I don't and good looking too. Did you forget and good to, looking? I, yeah. I forgot to say that. Good looking and, and intelligent as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But my point is that, and I say this not to sound like a troll. Oh, I make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but that it, you know, I can afford and I can absorb my my spending habits are not going to change as much as someone who maybe is a retiree on a fixed income yep. is someone for whom paying $70 to fill up the tank of gas is a massive, massive change from just a year ago paying $50, right? Like these things that are are budgeted for, they really have the impact of changing the calculus. And they're changing the calculus and ticking off people that the Democratic Party needs to convince in 2022. But ultimately, as you say, markets are looking forward do you think maybe they're looking forward to potentially good news in a Republican Congress sort of moderating some of the Obama or excuse me, the Biden administration's more liberal tendencies toward uh, fiscal policy that sort of got us into this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's no question that's part of it. But the other part is, you know, there are a lot of influential Democrats on Wall Street. You know, a lot of people think that those are all Republicans. They're not. A lot of those big-time guys uh, vote with the Ds. But you you look at that and say, yes, there is Main Street who says maybe there is another way to handle this. And by the way, history has shown that the incumbent's party usually gets walloped uh, on average, they lose 27 seats at the midterm election. It may be significantly more than that. So will there be a change in policy is the question. Probably. Will there be more spending? Probably not. I mean, there's certainly on the docket as we speak, the, the Build Back Better and the reconciliation process still today is suggesting that we need to raise taxes. That's a problem in a slowing economy, not to mention there is an attack on the big oil companies right now when we can't get enough oil. So that came out of uh, Nancy Pelosi's office last week is to attack the big oil companies when we can't get it. That's a change of policies that we think uh, might be we, we might be looking forward to. The other part of the conversation, Dan, is, is not political, but the fact that we are in a cycle. And more importantly, that's the more macro conversation. We are finally moving away from what's called quantitative easing, which is all of this negative real re, uh, rates of return, real interest rates of return are negative. They have to get to a more neutral position, which is more of a zero. And that it means they have to raise rates a long ways. So moving from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening by the Federal Reserve is a big deal. And they're going to do that by burning off some of the bonds on their balance sheet, as well as raising interest rates. That is trying to thread the needle for sure. Well, but we're also getting what essentially amounts to a double rate hike, yep. right? I yep. mean, we're getting interest rates that are going to rise by half a percent as opposed to the quarter percent that's 
expected. I mean, do you think that that could have like an immediate shock effect where people are like, oh my gosh, you know, the money supply is so much tighter than it was just a couple of weeks ago that that dramatically changes spending on big purchases at least and pushes us closer to, if not a recession, I think the slowdown that so many economists think is going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, the raising of interest rates is intended that's the purpose of it, is to slow down the economy. I mean, that's the whole reason why they do that. If you raise mortgage rates you know, from 3 to 5 or 6 or 7%, that no doubt will change uh, investor behavior. We haven't seen a slowdown quite yet that is significant in the real estate market, but as you know, that was an overheating market. There's no doubt about it. We haven't really seen it in the used car market quite yet. When we start to see those things, those items start to slow down, inflation will likely slow down. So will there be a shift in policy? Likely. Are they trying to slow down the economy? Absolutely. But that is this whole uh, soft landing. That's the idea. Think of the the pilot bringing, bringing down the airplane and not smashing it into the runway. And that is the recession. So a soft landing, bringing it down without crashing the economy into a recession. We hope they can do that. Uh, it's, it's a tough spot. Now, remember, uh, we have an election coming up, and that is going to be a significant part of the conversation because people are worried about inflation. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about immigration policies. That is what's going to drive this conversation going forward far more than some of these social issues that you're seeing. Yeah, and we have a conversation all the time about that wall of worry that people can sort of climb up. And that's why, you know, we always want to remind you that you want to know, as Dave, you put it all the time, what you own, why you own it. That's why at AnnexWealth.com, there is that wealth metric to help you understand where you are as an investor, where you are financially, and and more importantly, sort of where you're heading as the market takes these twists and turns. It's free, and you can uh, check it out at AnnexWealth.com. So I want to talk about these rate hikes in the short term, David. As, as we're, we're looking at this, and, and 5% rates, we really haven't seen that since, what, 2008? Yeah, I'm trying to think the last time we, got, we had rates above 5%. What's that going to do? Is that going to, I don't want to say crash the housing market, but is it going to slow it down significantly? We're already in a seller's market. It almost seems like a rate increase is going to scare off even more buyers. Yeah, it, it, particularly on on the lower end homes. There's no question. You know, people are buying multi million dollar homes. It, you know, some are just writing checks. So it's not going to slow them down. You think about, for example, Southwest Florida or lake properties in in certain parts of of the Midwest. You know, those those are probably not going to slow down. But for sure, the intention is to slow down the housing market because there's all those things that go into the houses, which of course, our refrigerators and stoves and furniture and all of those things, those are they're trying to slow that down as well as they're trying to slow down the car issue. But raising interest rates has nothing to do with a, sh- a chip shortage in this country, which is really part of the problem on why you're seeing used car prices go up so much because people can't get new cars, so they're paying more for used cars. Well, if there was chips, that might that might resolve that issue. That is another policy issue, Dan, that has to be looked at. There should be a very expedient way to try to get chips 
into this country and made here because I believe it is a national security issue. And that's one of the things you're looking at, where are the chip companies going? So yes, interest rates are intended to slow down the economy by design. They really don't have too many arrows in their quiver. One of them is raising rates. Another is just talking it down. It's called jawboning. Is just saying we're going to do all these things. And sometimes that slows down the economy. All of this means you should go through, as you said, you know, knowing what you own because there are certain parts of the, that you can control. Your asset allocation, you know, the compilation of your stocks are one of them. You know, the allocation, you know, should I be in staples or growth stocks? And then there's ways to defend the stocks in your portfolio as well. So, yes, the Fed is uh, going to be the bell of the ball uh, for the next number of months, uh, particularly up until the election. Now, what does this mean for like smaller consumer spending, things that you obviously don't need to take out a loan for? Are we going to start to see prices obviously won't go down, but the rate of inflation going down? Or I've talked about this on my radio show. Are we going to see sort of inflation fold over on itself? And what I mean by that is we typically uh, measure inflation as year over year, right? Yeah, well, you, you, now, you got it right. Yeah. Now, now we're going to see inflation, which was up in 2021 to 20-year highs starting in May, when the April inflation number comes out and inflation is up, say, 4%, and the Biden administration is clearly going to crow about that. Like, Look at all the stuff we've done to get inflation out of control. How much of that is just going to be a function of prices almost not being able to go any higher to sustain the market because they were already up so much 2020 to 2021? See, if you ever if you ever get out of the radio gig business, you can be an economist. That's exactly right. It <laughs> is the rate of change. That is exactly right. So what is the rate of change. That is the definition of inflation. So if it's already gone up significantly, how much more can it go up? That is the that is the whole question. So the, what is the rate of change going forward? Number one, and the cure for higher prices is higher prices. So if, right. if prices go up, that slows down and that could do the work of the Fed as well. I do believe that is part of their thinking is that it's going to moderate on its own, particularly as supply chains start to clear up and demand starts to slow down at the same time. Maybe in a year from now, we may be in a much better spot. That is the reason why I said these are cycles that we're going through. I've been through a lot of them. I've been in this business since the 1980s. I've seen a lot of these things. This is a cycle. It's just that this cycle seems to be a longer tail issue because of the Federal Reserve's policies and what they're going to have to do going forward. And it almost seems like this is a cycle that, unfortunately, inevitably, leads to a period of at least some stagflation, yeah. unlike that that we've seen since the 1970s. But suffice it to say, we're not out of the woods, not by a long shot. But we are out of time for this podcast. For Dave Spano, he's the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. I'm Dan O'Donnell. I want to thank you, as always, for listening to this week's edition of The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine 
determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.